All right, you'll notice there's no little campers leaving here today. They are, they are partying. They are partying big. And uh, it was a lot less energetic in here. <laughs> yeah, you ever, you ever YouTube praise breaks? Oh, it's awesome. You see like these churches where people just get caught up and they just start dancing. They'll just take off. And I'm like, ah, that's so funny. That never happens. Wait, that happens every week. Six years today that we've been here. Church has been here. Six years today. Yeah. Man, I love that. I love you guys. Uh, and, you know, this, this is just a building. We could meet in a different building. We, we could meet outside of this building. In fact, we have. Uh, and it's, it's, it's still the same. Like, you're, you're the church. And, and, and I love the church. And the thing I love about you is, uh, is it's just how, how jacked up you are. That makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> and and hopefully, hopefully you feel the same way. But man, we have, we have a common purpose and a common goal. And a God who redeems us from ourselves. Because if you're anything like me, like your worst enemy is you. And uh, man, thank God. Thank God that we have, um, that we have a, a Savior. That we, that we have a God who wrote us. A book. Man, I love, I love the Bible. At times, at times in my life, the Bible has been what has kept me in faith. The study, I study the Bible, study the Bible as, as deeply um, as I can. And, you know, if you study me deeply, you're going to be like, ooh, that is more messed up than I thought. And you know that because many of you are married. And you're like, listen, I know things now that could have been a deal breaker years ago. <laughs> she hid this from me. But as you study the scripture, it just becomes more and more. It is like, it, it's more than truth. And, and this, this is what I love. Is, is that that gets in you and it does something to you. Monday, many of you showed up at our school and uh, we were able to give out school supplies to the entire elementary school. How cool is that? You guys did that. And that, man, I've gotten to be a part of, of the church doing that. We've gotten to go to hurricane relief and like the Red Cross is weeks behind us. <laughs> just the, the church is, is mobilized and moving. Why? Because we're better than anyone? Absolutely, 100% not. Because we serve a God who just put something in us. And, 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 and that, that, that builds up that, let's call it water pressure, <laughs> builds up so much that we have to get rid of some of that. We have to pour that into someone. As I studied during the week, if I did not get to do this, it, it feels like I will explode. I have to tell someone what God has been showing me. And you, you've, you've come to me before. How do you do this week after week? I, I don't understand. What would you say? It's not really in question. I don't have anything to say, what will I say? It's, there's so much 
There's so much. What will we, God, what, what of this do you want me to pick? What do we want to talk about? And, and man, the Bible is just, if you're not indulging in that, taking in Scripture, I'm telling you, you're missing it because the Holy Spirit will teach you, will read you. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. All the Scripture will be on the screen. This is something from the Old Testament. The Bible's in the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, the Bible's actually a library of 66 books, 39 Books are in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. And so the, the, the clincher, the deal changer is when Jesus comes. Because all Old Testament books are pointing to when the Messiah will come and he, he starts the New Testament. We could also call that the new, call, uh, the, the new law or the new covenant. Okay, God's covenant with his people. We're under a new, the covenant of love under Jesus. But in the Old Testament, this is what God said. In Isaiah, which was written hundreds, almost a thousand years, <laughs> uh, hundreds of years before Jesus even walked on the earth. So like, this is like 23, 2500 years ago. Uh, God says through his prophet, remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other I am God, and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning. Now, the last two weeks, we've gone to Genesis, and I've shown you how what was declared in the beginning has been played out. I declare the end from the beginning, and from long ago, what is not yet done. And so what was declared long ago, and this is another thing I love about the Scriptures, we've already seen things that God said, this is going to happen. They've happened in great detail. Like, I geek out on this stuff. In great detail. He declared from the beginning, it's already happened, but not all has happened yet. And so because things that He has already said have come true, I am now looking forward to the other things that he said that are going to come true. And so my faith is not necessarily a blind faith. I have trust in him because he is trustworthy. And from long ago, what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. Let me give you an example of this, and, and we're going to roll into this story. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, because Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 are both the story of creation. One is like from 10,000 feet, and one is like from 10 feet, okay? And then in chapter 3, we sort of get into Adam and Eve and their fall, their choosing of sin for the first time. Sin is introduced to the, to the world, and so uh, sin comes into the world, and God comes into the garden, and uh, he finds out, I've been reading this, and I've always read it like God walked in and he was like, oh, I can't believe you guys did that. But uh, that's not really how he walks in. If you notice, Adam and Eve were hiding when God walks into the garden. I want you to go home and read chapter 3 on your own. I can't read everything. We have too much to go through. But Adam and Eve are hiding, and there's a reason that they're hiding. It's not because they were just embarrassed, because they were afraid because God walked in in, in, in the wind, and so uh, what, what I think is like as God was coming in, the garden was sort of moving because he was coming in hot. He knew what had been done, and so he's giving them a chance to confess, but they're hiding because they're like, oh, daddy's home. Did you ever have that when you were little? Wasn't that the worst? I did what I did. It's going to be bad. So the Lord God, God is, God is now cursing them. Remember, there was a serpent involved. There was Adam involved. There was Eve involved. So the Lord God said to the serpent, 
Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He says to the serpent, which we believe that the serpent was... Now, there was actually a serpent, but we believe that the serpent was somehow possessed. We believe that the ser- serpent was controlled. This is at least a representation of Satan. And so he is cast to his belly. Think about this prophetically. Most prophecy is dualistic in Scripture. As you read through the prophets, they're saying, hey, this is going to happen. And they mean this is going to happen now, but they mean this is just an image of what's to come. Foreshadowing is huge in the Bible. And so this serpent, we believe Satan, is, is, is cast down. He is put on his belly to eat dust. He's no longer in the heavenly realms where he will dwell, right? And so he is down here. And I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and I believe that this is the first prophecy of the Messiah because Jesus was called more than any other thing he was called son of you're going to get this wrong so let me answer (laughs) you're going to be like son of God no he was called son of man more than any other thing was he called son of God yes he was but he was also son of man he was fully God fully man God comes humbles himself to, to the position of a man so that he fills all of the uh, things that we feel, all of the temptations that we experience, he experienced, he did it perfectly, but there was that snake. And it said that he will crush your head and you will bite his heel. And so I think being hung on a cross is probably having your heel bitten by that snake. Uh, but the snake's head was crushed, and that's why we are here. But this is prophecy that is told in the beginning, and it goes all the way through. Every theme, every principle that you find in the Bible pretty much goes back to Genesis. I can't think of one, and I've spent some time thinking of a theme that doesn't go back to Genesis. There's something here that we're trying to see played out the entire time. Man is trying to get back to dwelling with God in the garden with God peace with God ever since the first sin okay now let's look at this there's a pattern I'm going to use some stories from the Bible no one expected you to be a Bible scholar today okay I'm going to use really popular stories that, like secular movies, are made about these stories. Okay, so you don't have to have prerequisite Bible knowledge. You don't have to be a scholar. I'm going to use very common stories that you know. Anytime you need uh, to know scripture that I think you don't know, I will. I will give you that scripture. But let's walk through this and look at a pattern. Maybe you'll pick up on on something, and this will make sense to you. Uh, let's use Adam and Eve since we're on them. Let's use them as an example. Uh, God gives them a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says that he wants you to only eat from all these other things. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, Adam and Eve ate from which tree? Uh huh. And so God gave them a warning. God gave them a choice. Because anytime there's a warning, there's a choice. You can choose to disregard the warning, right? So God gives them a warning. They choose to sin. They eat of the fruit. 
there's a consequence of that sin. Eve was told that childbirth would hurt. And Adam was told that he was cursed. No, that the land was cursed. And basically from now on, you're going to have to work your butt off. And have these not continued. We haven't found a way around these yet. I've not seen a woman walk out in her gown and be like, Whoop! Get the kids, honey. I got dinner. It hurts. It hurts to watch. I can't imagine going through it. But then, and this is what we don't always pick up on. I'm going to give you the scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. After the curse, the Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. Because now we have a problem. They were naked. They knew that they were doing something wrong. And so God provides a solution. Now who messed up? Adam and Eve. Who gave them consequences for their sin? God. And then who provided a solution and took care of them after? God. That's weird, isn't it? And we've got to understand, because our culture does not teach us, that God is both. God is just. Okay? And in justice, things don't slide. I know that sounds really hardcore. But think about this. For, for if, if you've ever parented or if you are a parent, maybe, maybe this is something you already know. Maybe this is just advice. But if you don't follow through with what you tell your kids that you're going to do, you are being unfair to them. Because as a child, if I do something and I get away with it, and I do something and I get away with it, and I do something and I get away with it, and then I do something and I'm punished, that's inconsistent. And regardless of what you said, I was acting on what I knew to be true through experience. And so uh, it was unfair to me as a child not to punish me in the beginning because it's inconsistent. Because now every time I have the, the choice of the tree of life or the tree of knowledge and good and evil, it's a crapshoot. See, God doesn't work that way. He says that there are principles. This will be punished. This will not be punished. Choose wisely. And that is fair. And so uh, God does punish. We do serve a God who is a judge. I encourage you, stop placing human attributes onto God. Our society as a whole is acting as a moral authority over God, condemning God on what he's done. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that God is going, oh, no, they don't like that. I should just change my very nature. I should just do what they think is right because they're killing it down there. We're acting as a moral authority over God and I don't, I, I don't believe that God is going to change. He's like, I, I said it and that's, that's the way it's going to be. Because God has wisdom ultimate, wisdom superior to our own. And so he said this is how it's going to be and it will be and he is very consistent. But you've seen some things that weren't punished. You've seen sins that weren't punished. Yes, you have. And let's change that sentence, though. You've seen things that weren't punished yet. Now, 
That was the pattern. Adam and Eve have a choice, they choose, there's a consequence, and then God provides a solution. Let's look at Cain and Abel. Y'all know this story? I mean, there's songs about it. There's been movies about it. Uh, Adam and Eve have Cain. And then they have Abel. And speaking as a younger brother, there's always quite a bit of jealousy. My brother doesn't watch us, so. God gives Cain a warning. Reading your scripture. Is it, I, I believe it's chapter, is it chapter four? I believe it's chapter four. He says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It wants you. This is going to eat you up. You need to choose the right thing. God gives him a warning. And then Cain does what? Takes his brother out into the field and he murders him. So he chooses. And then Cain is punished. God kicks him out. He has a curse on him. He has a mark on him. But, but God says, or, or Cain says to God, if you curse me in this way, someone will murder me, someone will kill me. And so God puts a mark on him letting everyone know, don't kill Cain. And Cain goes on to reproduce. And so many of those that come from Cain we know of in the Bible. These are men and women of old that came from his lineage because God restored him in many ways, but yet he still cursed him. There was... A warning, Cain made a choice, God gave consequences for that choice, a solution was provided. The entire Old Testament, the story of the children of Israel, because the Old Testament kind of follows one people. God said, I'm going to choose you, you're going to be a kingdom of priests, right? And they sort of messed that up, and so they were uh, one nation, but they had 12 tribes in their nation, right? Like, like this is one county, but we have different cities, right? So... Uh, Th th there was one nation, there were 12 tribes, and so uh, they, they mess up. But God, God tells them in the beginning, if you will follow me, you will be my kingdom of priests. He gives them these promises. And also he gave them the Ten Commandments. Shortly after he gives them the Ten Commandments, Moses goes up on a mountain to receive instruction from the Lord. And he was gone for like 40 days, and they're like, this dude's dead. So they go to his brother. And they're like, hey, make us new gods. We don't know. 40 days. <laughs> 40 days. Make us a new God. You know what number one of the Ten Commandments is? Have no other God before me. 40 days later, makes a new God. So they put a bunch of gold in, and Aaron's like, we just threw it in, and out popped this golden calf. May have. It may have been some kind of evil, supernatural thing. I don't know. But they dance around this golden calf and did what people always do. Anytime in the Old Testament people are cheating on God, they're generally worshiping some sort of fertility God. You know how you worship a fertility God? There is a draw to worshiping a fertility God. And so God gave them the Ten Commandments, He gave them a commissioning. And then they chose to make a golden calf when Moses had been gone 40 days. Moses comes down, and he is ticked. And he actually says, I, the, again, we want to stand in judgment over God on this because this is like, this is not how I would have done it. We should have just all sat down and had a conversation and talked this out. And God was not into a conversation. Moses says, line in the sand, who's with me? 
one of the 12 tribes, Levi, crosses the line. And he said, draw your sword. And they go through and start just wrecking people. And by wrecking them, I mean murdering people. And then Moses said, because you did this, Levi, you will now be my kingdom of priests to the other 12 tribes. See, all 12 tribes are supposed to be a kingdom of priests to the entire world. But because of their sin, they needed one tribe to be a priest to the other 11 tribes. And it wouldn't be until Jesus came and engrafted you that everyone was a priest again. Anyways, they were given a warning. They chose to disobey, to disobey and the people were punished severely. And then God provides a solution. He says, Levi, you are going to be the priest. Build your people up. Build them back up. And then God continues to build them. He continues to love on them, but he punished the sin. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? By the way, that is the pattern over and over and over again. Now we step into the New Testament, and I don't need long to show you the pattern being fulfilled. We'll go to the book of John. The first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all eyewitness accounts or first-hand surveys of the life of Jesus. These are actual historical events. This stuff, that's one of, this is, I love the Bible. It really happened. It'll say it happened, and we're like, that didn't happen, and then we dig it up later. Like, you know how much of the Old Testament talks about King David? There's no King David in all of archaeology until about the 90s. Now we find him everywhere. The Bible knew before we knew. God continues to validate himself, and we're just like, ah, that's not enough. We want a Lamborghini. Then we'll believe. John chapter 1. God gives the warning. Remember, that's the first part. Go to verse 6 for me. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. You'll know him as John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light. The light, you'll know that is Jesus. So that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. John came and he said, get ready. The Messiah is coming. All through the Old Testament, God said, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to provide a solution with everything I showed you. He's providing solution, providing solution, providing solution. But oh, he's going to provide an ultimate solution. This is the last one. This is, my, this is my last deal. Take it or leave it. This is the big solution that I am providing for humanity for all time. And they called that the Messiah. And there's this great anticipation. There are still Jews today who do not accept Jesus as the Messiah. And they're still waiting for the Messiah. Because the Old Testament clearly gives a picture that there is a Christ a Savior, a Messiah coming. Okay? So, uh, John came and gave the warning. He's coming. Get ready. Repent of your sins. Get ready. You're going to have to accept him when he comes. Okay? And then, what always happens next? First, we have a choice. Second, we make a choice. John 9 through 11. We're just going down the same verses. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. They had the warning, the Messiah is coming, get ready. And then the Messiah came, and they said, no. 
This is not what we want. Jesus came in peace. They did not want someone to come in peace. They wanted someone to come and give retribution for all that they had been through. They wanted someone to come and be a great military figure, not a humble servant who would later be killed. Defeat death, <laughs> but be killed. It's not what they wanted. So they rejected him, okay? They had a warning. They made a decision. Keep going, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who are born, not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And there's the solution. There's the solution. There was a warning. You make a choice. And now we have a solution. Some of y'all caught that. I skipped a step. I'll get there. Hang on. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. This is the solution for our problem of choosing sin. I know that you've chosen sin in here because if I go up to you with a small mirror and hold it close enough, you'll fog it up. That's how I know. It's a telltale sign that you have sinned. Romans 5, 8, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There was a huge problem. We needed a solution. Jesus is that solution for all time. But I skipped a step. And this is what we don't talk about very often. What about the consequences? Pastor, you skipped the consequences. You're just a TV preacher. Now you're going to ask for money. No. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't skip that step. You skipped that step. What do you mean? I'll show you. I need help. I thought Bodie was going to be in here in the back, but he's not here. J.D., I need your help. Come on. I'm going to have to have you. We're going to show you how you skipped that step. It, it's still there. Somebody has to pay. There has to be consequence because God is fair. It's not fair if he says there's consequence for sin and there's no consequence for sin. So there has to be a consequence. But you skipped the step. Charlie, can I borrow you? Charlie, if you'll just come over here. Now, Charlie owns this real estate over here. Okay? And J.D. is jacking around one day. Okay? Playing a little baseball. I should have brought a softball. I thought Bodie was going to be in here. He had tailed it for the kids' party. Okay? Now, J.D., you are where you shouldn't be. You know it's Charlie's property, jacking around, and what do you do? Go ahead. You broke something. Okay? So, Charlie's livid. He is, I got the wrong guy. I got the wrong guy. Charlie's too nice. Charlie's livid. He is furious. There's a window broken. If you don't replace the window, rain comes in. Well, eventually, rain will come in. 
If you don't replace the window, rain comes in and the whole house will be ruined. We can't have that. He just remodeled this place. The window has to be paid for. You know this. Some of y'all were getting free money with COVID and now you're like, that wasn't free at all, was it? (laughs) It has to be paid for. Somebody's got to buy this window. Now, if it's not her, it's him. But he didn't do it. He has a no trespassing sign. He's got a pit bull in the yard. He wanted no one there. So is he going to pay for it? Who did it? And this is you, right? How many times in your life are you like, I I didn't mean to. (laughs) But here we are. With the best of intentions, I did the worst of things. Some of you are like, no, (laughs) never, never good intentions. I just did the worst of things. It doesn't matter. See, that's what sin is. That glass is broken. And it doesn't matter how hard you threw the ball. See, people say this, and I want to clear this up. Well, a sin is a sin is a sin, preacher. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you, murdering someone and going five over the speed limit is not the same thing. And they are not punished the same way. But they are the same in that the glass is broken and someone has to pay. They are the same in that as long as we miss the mark of perfection, we are short of the glory of God and need a Savior from ourselves. They are the same in that way. They may not be punished in the same way, but they are the same in that the glass is broken. We owe Charlie money. Got it? But the thing is, J.D.'s got a daddy. The money has to be paid, but then daddy shows up and pays. Thank you. You're welcome. Now you may go. Thank you so much. Thank you, J.D. See, God provided a solution not only for our sin problem. But God provided a solution for the consequence of sin because, let me tell you, the consequence of sin is separation from our Father, and that is more than you can bear. As some of you may be experiencing separation from God in your life right now, not in full. Not in full because there's still hope for you. But you're experiencing that in forms of depression, in forms of anxiety. You feel that there is no hope. You're questioning your purpose. And so we have that ultimate fear of what if there is a God and I won't be with Him. And there is no purpose in my life. And it's very draining on your soul. There's consequence. But let me tell you, there's a difference between consequence from your father and consequence from your enemy. See, because blood is required. Payment is required. Think about this. Adam and Eve sinned. 
They were naked. They knew it. And then God does this strange thing that we set, we set in judgment on God. <laughs> I can't believe you. Uh, I, I wonder what kind of animal he killed to do that. And those poor animals have to die for human stupidity again. And, and God cares about the animals more than you. Okay, you and Sarah McLaughlin can hold on because you didn't create them. <laughs> Think about it. He created them. He loves them. The Bible says that he knows how many feathers are on the sparrow, yet he murdered them. Did you just say God murdered them? Huh. Murder is the wrong word because this was for a purpose. He killed them. Why? So that he could clothe Adam and Eve. We have the first sacrifice to cover sins. Why would, but, but why, why blood? That's so dark. Because if you don't understand that it requires blood to cover your sin, you don't understand the full consequence of your choices. Understand that when, uh, when the Jews uh, back in the day would sacrifice once a year a Passover lamb, they would bring this little lamb into their house and they would raise it in their house just to have to slit its throat later themselves. Can you imagine? Why? Because it's cute. That's the point. Because it costs something. Someone has to pay. Understand that when J.D. and I get home later, we will talk about where you do and don't play baseball, and she will be weeding the garden. Because punishment from her father is totally different than punishment from her enemy. And some of you have daddy that says, I love you enough not to let you keep making this decision. And people come to me all the time and they're like, I think God is punishing me. Yeah! <laughs> That's what good daddies do! Yes! Now, is that every time, every case? No. Do Christians still go through stuff? Yes. Look at all these people in the, in the Bible. I mean, every one of Jesus' 12 followers, they followed him till the end, and they were murdered for their faith. That wasn't God's punishment on them. That was a consequence of sin coming into the world. That was a consequence of the enemy, and God provided for them up until that very point, and now they are doing fine. You have a father who will get your attention. Hebrews 10, 26 through 30. For if we deliberately, deliberately, okay, listen. If you became a Christian, you will sin again. All right? You will sin again. Being a Christian means following Jesus. I'm on a path. And on this path, I will stumble. I will fall. Sometimes I'm really, I mean, <laughs> you know, some of you are like, I'm here. In fact, I dug a hole. I think I'm in it. Okay? But you will stumble and fall. Now, when you get up, where are you going? I'm done with that. I already fell. Okay, okay. The, you, you never had it. You were trying it. You didn't like it. But when we get up and we continue to follow Jesus... We're still following Jesus. That's what we are, Christ followers. And so the Bible says, if we deliberately go on sinning, this is a very accurate translation, I believe. If we deliberately go on sinning, if you choose, you know what, God? No more. I'm not following you anymore. That's totally different than I stumbled, okay? There's a difference between a, a, an, an episode of sin and a lifestyle of sin. I digress. If we 
deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Anyone who disregards Anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know the one who has said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people." We serve a God who is a judge. How fortunate are you that the judge is your father who loves you and stepped down from his bench of judgment, stepped in front of you, took your place, and paid for your sin, and then put his robes back on as the judge. How fortunate are you? That's what Jesus has done. Sin does not go unpunished. You may go unpunished, but your sin didn't go unpunished. That's why animals had to die in the Old Testament. That's why there had to be blood. God wanted us to understand the consequence of our sin. Choose God. There's always a choice. There's always a decision to be made. There are always consequences for those decisions. But then we serve a God who provides a solution. Now, in the next two weeks, this has come to me in separate times. This is not a clever thing that I'm trying to do as a pastor. Next week, I want to speak to men. I'm telling you, men, I want you to be here. You got a son, I want you to have him here. I want to speak to men. The Lord just put this strongly on my heart. And while I was not thinking about that at all, the Lord was, just gave me something incredibly strong uh, that I want to speak for everyone, but especially to women. And then later I was like, oh, that's a men's and a women's wasn't planned that way I want to read you one last passage I want the worship team to come up worship team is going to come up I'm going to read this passage I just want to do this like prayerfully over you okay this is a, this is a really big this is a really big passage to me um, and then when you leave Tables and chairs are going to be set up, and everybody, kinder, we said kinder through fifth, kinder through sixth, that's great. Kindergarten through sixth, they're going to be lined up, they're going to be at some tables, getting ready to eat some pizza, play games. When we leave, we're actually going to uh, pick up our seats, and we'd love some help with that. We're going to pick up our seats, stack them in sections of eight, put them against the wall, and this is going to be a dodgeball court. There will be bloody noses, there will be crying, <laughs> and it will be epic. Parents, you are welcome to stay, and I will make that happen. We can dodgeball it up. Dusty's a shark, though, I'm telling you. He will lose the first game and put money on it. <laughs> Why don't you just, to, to be, let's be in a spirit of prayer.
God has a way set out for us that He wants us to live. His judgment is better than ours, and I don't think He needs our suggestions. He's already said it. It's the way it is. And He provides so many solutions, so many opportunities. God has forgiven me, although I have been like an adulterous wife. I mean, really, in my relationship with God, with me being married to God, I am the bride of Christ. I know that sounds weird to dudes. I am the bride of Christ. Do you know how many times I've cheated on God? Probably about as many as you have. And he continues to take us over and over to the point where if it was a relationship, we would have to go have that special talk with someone and go, hey, you can't keep doing this. They're never going to learn. You can't keep doing this. But God continues to take us. Also, as a father, he will set us straight. He will let us know that he has anger. Our God is love, but boy, does he have fury. In the Old Testament, they call him a terrible God. Not terrible as in bad as his job. Terrible as in creates terror. But he makes this appeal to his people. I want to read this for you and over you. Through Moses to the people, this is what he says. This command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I've set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil, huh? For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commands, statutes, ordinances, so that you may live and multiply and Uh, The Lord, your God, may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your hearts turn away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. Uh, Jordan, I call heaven and earth together as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey Him, and remain faithful to Him, for He is your life, and He will prolong your days as you live in the land. The Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God wants you to cross the river. God wants you to come into the promised land. He wants you to take hold of the land. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to prosper. There was never a promise that no adversary, that no enemy would ever come in after you. There was just, you have a God who is for you and who wants you to prosper. But you got to cross the Jordan into my land and live according to my commands and I'll take care of it. And he always did. They only were overtaken when they abandoned and left their God. God wants you. God wants you to take your family 
over the Jordan. Well, how do I go over the Jordan? This is a metaphor, Pastor. Give me something. God wants you with your family to pray, to read the Bible, to go to church, to be the church. To be perfect? Absolutely not. You weren't created to be perfect. He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to follow His commands. And then watch as He bless you. Healthy, wealthy, and wise? Maybe not. One of the most dear Christians I know in my life right now has cancer and joy. Has cancer and a hope for eternity. Has cancer and leading her son to the Lord. The Lord has set before you death and life. Church, if you choose death, not only is that eternal, but it's now. And you have a father who loves you too much to watch you do that without reprimanding you, without commanding you, without guiding you. You are a sheep and he is the shepherd. And he will lead you away from this. Don't resist it, church. There's always a choice to be made and at some point you have to choose. And I want you to choose life. You have a connection card. Maybe you want to write on that connection card. Just communicate with us. Hey, I don't know how to do this. We want to walk with you because we've all had to do this, okay? We don't share your stuff. We don't, we don't do a, you know, a prayer, gossip prayer chain um, about you. Oh, you guys pray for Belinda. You'll never believe what's going on now, okay? That's not, that's not what we're doing. We want to pray with you. We want to walk in this with you. But we want you to choose life, and we want you to live blessed. Man, to know that your Father is happy with you, there's no greater feeling. So I'm going to pray. Uh, the, the worship team is going to come up. They have baskets. If Tithe and offering, that's, that's a great place to put that in. That's the appropriate time. That's part of our worship as believers. But fill out that connection card. Better yet, when service is over, come and talk to us. Uh, we want to chat with you. Leave your number so that we can chat with you uh, later, however you want to do that. Man, we want you to choose life. Lord, I pray for your people that you will be with us. Uh, God, that, that you, will, you will send your spirit. And uh, God, that, that we will see that. You, that you will make evident those moments when it is life and death that is being presented to us. When it's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's being presented to us. And let us choose you, Father. And let us give thanks to you. And God, many of your people in here have prayed for things. And they have a prayer life of sorts. And they pray for things that you have given, but we've never acknowledged it or thanked you. Open our eyes to this, Father, and let us see. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.